Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson, episode 97. Uh, we are three episodes away from the big one zero zero. Very exciting. Meanwhile, we just recorded episode 360 of Battleship Pretension, and that show's only been going a couple years longer than this one. Uh, so, you know, I still kind of regret doing it, I don't know, once a month back when I was recording it by myself. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I will go ahead and welcome in my co-host... And I'm going to say the best friend I've ever had that is my co-host of More Than One Lesson, Josh Long. That's, Josh. That's very touching. Yes. I'm, I'm, that really gets me right here. Why are you pointing to your shoulder? That's very strange. Yeah, it's, a, it's weird. That's where my heart is. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was wondering. That's, that's where one of my hearts is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because that's the thing is one time like I punched you in the shoulder like in a playful way. Yeah, I just dropped. You just, yeah, you just dropped. Yeah. And like the, we had to call an ambulance oh, and yeah. stuff. It was bad. So, and I I was arrested. Yeah. So. We should talk about that on the show sometime. It's yeah. It's quite feel, an interesting story, but we really don't have time for it now. Yeah. We've got things to get not, to. Yeah. It's, it's late at night uh, for us. And for and you. And for, I, I like to think that people listen to this late at night. To the same time we're recording it. Last night. Or one could say this morning. Or right now. It was about 4.15 a.m. And I realized I was all out of Propel Zero grape. And I was out of the Propel Zero grape powder that you can put into a regular bottle of water. So I didn't really have anything to drink. Yes, I could have had regular water. But what am I, some kind Eh, of hobo? No. No. I don't think so. So I drove to to an all-night Ralph's. And on the way, I threw in, uh, I threw on uh, more than one lesson. I don't listen to our episodes very often, but I threw on uh, our discussion of Wolf of Wall Street. And uh, imagine my surprise when, because I remember that episode as being like, hey, let's talk about Wolf of Wall Street. Imagine my surprise when the seven minutes that it took to get down there uh, was entirely uh, used up talking about gilligan's island oh that's what it was i knew there was something we were on for a little bit there and that was uh it's just that was it it's just ridiculous now that makes me want to go back and listen to that episode right yeah for that part of that yeah and then stop when it comes time to discuss the wolf of wall street you get it (laughs) you know whereas gilligan's island you can never can anybody really get never gilligan's island it's too much it's a mystery that cannot be solved let's talk about it for about seven minutes (laughs) sounds good to me all right (laughs) so the skipper He's kind of like Satan. Anyway, um, okay. So I don't think we have any uh, any announcements or anything uh, at the top of the show, except to, I'll just go ahead and repeat some, some things that uh, you guys may already know. So uh, 
if you go to more than one lesson.com and you look on the right side of the page, there will be a little button that says newsletter. You can subscribe to a newsletter. Uh, we used to send it out monthly. It's not necessarily monthly, uh, anymore. It's probably every five or six weeks and just kind of recaps the things that we, uh, the, the episodes and mini shows that we've done over the last uh, month or two. Uh, but sometimes there's a bit of a theme. And so for example, the most recent newsletter was, uh, Hey, it's Oscar time. So here's some movies, uh, some Oscar winners that we've talked about in the past. Also stretching all the way back to episode eight in which I had Ben C on to talk about, uh, the hurt locker. So, um, so yeah, if you sign up for the newsletter, then uh, sometimes it's an opportunity to uh, be exposed to older episodes. Um, and I think I'll leave it at that for the time being. Uh, let's let's go ahead and, and jump into it because today's topic is kind of kind of a complex one uh, for everybody, but for Christians maybe even more. And that is the idea of separating the art from the artist. Uh, the reason that I felt the need to talk about this was, uh, if you watch the Golden Globes this past year, which was on about a month ago, maybe longer, um, they gave the Lifetime Achievement Award to writer, director, actor, comedian, Woody Allen. Now, this should not really surprise anybody because he does indeed have a lifetime of achievements. Uh, even this year, he's nominated for Best Screenplay uh, for Blue Jasmine, and he tends to direct actors to nominations and wins and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Like, he has certainly made his mark on film, and so it is not surprising that he would receive this. But then his daughter or I think his adopted daughter or his stepdaughter. I don't, I, the Woody Allen Mia Farrow family is a rather complex. It's one. very confusing to figure out. I think she's a stepdaughter. I think a stepdaughter. Yes. And so, uh, her name is, her name is Dylan, Dylan Farrow. And, uh, she, uh, wrote in response to all the, uh, adulation that Woody Allen was getting, wrote a, uh, rather lengthy open letter talking about some sexual misconduct, in fact, some molestation of her by him many years before. Which then threw everybody into a bit of a spiral, and there have been a lot of uh, debates about that letter. Uh, There have been, and in fact, Dylan's brother, whose name I believe is Moses, uh, he came out and said that she is not telling the truth. But then maybe she thinks she is. Maybe she was poisoned by her mother, Mia Farrow, against Woody Allen, and, and now she thinks she, that this happened, but it actually didn't. Then she spoke out spoke out against her brother, saying, I can't believe he would say such a thing. This is such a betrayal. It's very complex, and I don't mean to get into uh, the uh, salacious gossip of it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's more just it, – it opened up a discussion in the world of film – that is not had very often. Mm-hmm. It is every few years, usually with this with the same guys. Yeah. Um, and that is when we are dealing with an artist, in this case a director, um, in fact, I think we'll we'll primarily be focusing on directors. When we are fo- when we are dealing with an artist who has done something 
truly horrible in his past. And by the way, I do want to say, I have no idea what Woody Allen did or did not do Mm -hmm. to his stepdaughter. I do know that he did sort of ruin the family in general when he uh, married his much younger stepdaughter. Is that what it was? I think she was an adopted daughter. Adopted daughter. he was married to. Yes. Uh, Mia Farrow, I believe, had adopted her. And then he married Mia Farrow and then fell in love with Soon Yi, uh, the the adopted daughter. And so thus destroying the marriage, obviously, but also yeah. just uh, the family as well. So very complex stuff. So I don't claim to uh, – this episode is not about let's get, let's let's Josh and Tyler on <laughs> Let's Thursday get to night. the bottom of it. Yeah. We will figure out. Yeah. We can puzzle this out, you and yeah. I. I'm a big fan of the Riddler. And, I, we, I, and I feel like <laughs> this is a riddle that we and can solve. we can just write our own open letter and be like, look, here's what yeah. happened. Yeah. Everybody cool it. Yeah. I should explain. Josh Long and I at the Josh Long, uh, we sat down with microphones and figured it out. Uh, that is not the purpose of this. It is more um, when a director has done something or an artist in general has done something really terrible in their everyday life. Or it's been kind of rumored that they yes. might have. Yes. Um, but they continue making art. What do we do? Do we still see their films if the films are – considered good do we still you know do we go see them do we give them money do we support them artistically as well as financially and so because to do so some would say is to support the artist in his wrongness Mm. um but then so that's one side the other side is well this person doing this thing does not necessarily interfere with the making of great art and great and the art will last longer than the person and longer than the person's scandals. And there can still be truth found in art regardless of who created it. So that's fine. But then there are people that say that by giving people awards, for example, lifetime achievement, uh, that it just sort of enables them and, Everyone says this person is great and that we are at that point actively ignoring the things that they've done. And it just goes back and forth to the point of uh, The Onion wrote a very funny article written by, quote unquote, Woody Allen. And I believe the article is basically like, wow, I've really put you guys in a tough spot, haven't I? (laughs) Um, And just one paragraph says, I did make these great movies. Don't forget. But. We cannot ignore these allegations against me, but let's not forget Annie Hall. Like, it just goes back and forth. So that's what we wanted to talk about because I'm not 100% sure where I land. I have a pretty Mm -hmm. good idea, but I'm not 100%. Uh, And so, Josh, when I said – we'll go back a little bit. When I said that I wanted to talk about this for the show, uh, first off, where did your mind go and and where do you just – do you think you fall in one specific place uh, on this topic? Well, it's, it's, again, like you said, it's a, it's a difficult, it's a difficult topic to deal with. And I think it's hard to have a, a clear, obvious answer. Um, but I think, I think first of all, there, there are two different things to be talking about here. One is sort of how we choose to participate or support, 
um, participate in or support the art and how that might in effect support the artist. Mm -hmm. And uh, I feel like that's one question. And the other question is how we, um, how we view it or respond to the art. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, I think that side of it, at least I have a more, more clear conviction in regards to, um, I think you may, you may feel the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, which is, I, I feel like what we know about an artist personally shouldn't affect the way that we, uh, the way that we evaluate the art when we see it. Um, for instance, if you know that, a director is a bad guy that shouldn't make you say, well, that that thus that means this is a bad movie. He's made right. a bad movie. Um, I think that's not really a logical position to take. Right. Um, and I, but I think that's hard for people. And, and, uh, I think there are people who do that. Maybe, maybe not even knowingly. Um, I think it's easy to, I think that may even happen more with actors when you know, an actor is kind of a, yeah, a sleaze ball or, or might be, very politically involved with something you disagree with. Um, and that can make it harder to watch. Yeah. Because they're front and center on the screen and they're asking you, like in the case of, you know, I can't think of anybody specifically, but in the case of like, let's say an actor that, you know, is just, is just known to be a jerk, uh, and just a bad person and an egomaniac and all that kind of thing. But then he plays a just a, a good-natured hero. Uh, <laughs> you're going to be like, I know that's not who you are. But in the same way, and this gets to maybe, you know, maybe some things uh, about the theory of watching art. Well, what is it about, like... It's not the character's fault that the actor playing him is a jerk, mm-hmm. nor is it the character's fault that I know about that. In right. theory, I shouldn't know about it. We do live in a gossip-related culture, mm-hmm. uh, a gossip-driven culture, and especially when it comes to celebrities. And this is certainly not a new thing. I will get to Fatty Arbuckle in a moment. Mm. Um, this is not a new thing. And so people want to know about their stars and their artists and the people that make the or, – or their – you know. Uh, just celebrities in general it could be a sports figure or something like that. Um, and so, but when it comes to somebody doing something creative, I know that I myself, once I decided I wanted, wanted to pursue criticism, I had decided, all right, I, I don't want to know about how a movie was made. Hmm. Um, I may be interested in certain aspects of the artistry and there are some things that you just can't avoid. Uh, but because then you, you run across this idea of oh, that movie wasn't very good. And it's like, yes, but look, but their budget was so small. And it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, well, I guess for their budget, that's not a bad movie. And it's like, yeah, but should that, in, should that be involved in my evaluation of the film? Because the film should be able to stand on its own two feet without consideration of the budget, I mm-hmm. think, or consideration of any any number of things. And that could include the personal life and personality and wrongdoing of the person behind it. That's all in theory. In reality, we all know this stuff. Mm-hmm. Or at least we've heard it. Yeah. 
And so as much as like if we were speaking purely in theory, this episode would be over now, <laughs> but we're not. Yeah. And so, you know, what are we left with? Mm-hmm. So um, I'll go back and talk about Fatty Arbuckle. Uh, I took a silent film class in a silent comedy class, pardon me, in film school, and I became fascinated by a number of people. Uh, but Fatty Arbuckle is a particularly tragic figure yeah. in film history because he was a beloved silent comedian. He was, I saw some of his stuff. He's very funny. Uh, and he could have been considered like, I mean, he is considered one of the greats, but he could mm-hmm. be considered like a Chaplin or a Keaton or a Lloyd had his career not totally taken a dive because there were rumors that he was involved in, uh, all kinds of, uh, scandals most notably and uh an orgy that left somebody dead hmm. and it was rumored that he was not only there but that he might have been actually involved in the death of this person uh and then a guy named william randolph hearst decided he really liked the nature of this story and he hmm. would play it up uh with uh, basically blaming fatty arbuckle for this and so uh so society just turned against him and culture turned against him. Uh, it was later revealed that, uh, yeah, he, I, th- I think he was actually, he was actually there, hmm. but that he had nothing to do with this death. But at that right. point, the damage was done. It was too and late. His, and his career was over. Right. No one could look at him anymore without associating him with that. Yeah. And admittedly, I mean, this was the 19 teens. And so knowledge that somebody was involved in an orgy even now if you found out that you know tom hanks was at an orgy the other day <laughs> you'd be like okay well I'll think a little bit differently about yeah. captain phillips <laughs> right and just like would larry crown really do that <laughs> it's like it looks like somebody never graduated from bachelor party in the 80s uh, but yeah, so like, so it would still, it would still impact the way even you and I approach his films. Yeah. Um, but back then, I mean, his career, it's, it is, it's fascinating. When I say his career was dead, I mean, it was, it was over dead. Like they, they didn't yeah. put him in anything else. Yeah. Uh, because the, nobody wanted to see him. There yeah. was certainly an outcry from uh, a number of notable religious groups who said, we do not want this man to be famous. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it is tragic for a number of reasons because now, unfortunately, I feel like the scandal of Fatty Arbuckle might have actually eclipsed any films he might've made. Right. So like even today, people know him more for that reason than they do from any of his, his films. Actually, I think I, I may have seen... I think I've seen some shorts that he was in. Yeah. I think he only did shorts. I don't know if he ever did any. Okay. Okay. Because he was uh, – Buster Keaton got his start doing yeah. some stuff with Fatty Arbo, correct? Yes. I think I've seen like one of those maybe. Yes. Um, but, you know, I haven't seen much of that. Um, certainly he could have gone on to do more. Mm-hmm. But I think like you say, I think he's known more for that uh, for that scandal. And so yeah. <laughs> it not only ruined his – his uh, career, it has kind of ruined his image for all time. Yeah. 
And the question is, now, certainly he did not deserve to be railroaded for this murder that he did not have anything actively to do with. But if it was, you know, if it was indeed proven that he was a part of this orgy and people didn't respond well to this guy who is a, you know, a merry mischief maker, making too much mischief in (laughs) ways they didn't like, Mm. you know, the question could be, did he deserve to lose his career? Because people can't help but know these things Mm. when they walk into a movie and anytime they see like, you know, one thing about the, the fatty character is that he was often like a large adult six year old. Mm. Like he kind of acted like that. There was a a childlike quality to him, but also a playful and mischievous quality to him. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, but not, you know, and Keaton Lloyd Chaplin, like in almost every movie, their characters would have like a love interest. And so when you have Fatty Arbuckle's character who seems kind of a little juvenile and then he has a love interest character it's like, oh, okay, that seems kind of sweet and kind of silly and that kind of thing. Factor in this other thing and when you see him acting this way towards a woman, you think – now, I don't necessarily think this but I can definitely see how some people might think – Oh, well now I can, ugh, when I know that behind the scenes, he might be actually approaching this woman to go Mm -hmm. and do things or, or whatever. And so, um, I, I should say, by the way, everybody, this, this episode is going to be something of a scattered conversation because as I said, we don't totally know where we land and it's more of just a kind of an exploration of this. And does somebody deserve professional failure? Artistic and professional failure, which would then probably extend to personal failure at that point because of these things. So I will now bring us to Roman Polanski. Mm. Roman Polanski had a pretty tough life before he did anything uh, legally wrong. Yeah. Uh, His family was uh, in a – he and his family were uh, in a concentration camp. Uh, I think he got out, but his family did not. And I believe they all died. So that's one thing that happened when he was very young. Then he, I believe, got married or was dating Sharon Tate. I think they were married. Okay. So one way or another, he was romantically involved and invested in this woman named Sharon Tate, who one day was at a party with a bunch of people. And then she and a number of other people at this party were murdered by the followers of Charles Manson. So, okay. Pretty tough. Pretty rough. Uh, And then, at a party, uh, Roman Polanski, I think, uh, had sex with a 13-year-old girl. Hmm. Statutory rape. No question about it. Yeah. Um. The girl said that she was okay with it, but that does not negate the fact that she is 13. Yeah. The the grown woman – this was in the 70s. The grown woman has gone on to say that she forgives Roman Polanski and that she's okay with – she's not okay with what happened, certainly as an adult looking back, but that you know she's moved past it. That still does not negate the fact that she was 13 and he did have sex with her as an adult man. Mm-hmm. So – he, I think, pleaded guilty, pled guilty, but then he fled the country to, uh, to avoid uh, his prison sentence. So he is currently still 
yeah. an expatriate and can't come back to the United States right. without being arrested. Yes. And there are actually – there uh, a couple years ago, like I think he he showed up in like one specific country and there was talk of them actually uh, – Extraditing him? Extraditing him to the United States. There was mm. talk of that, but it didn't happen. I don't remember that. Uh, but that's the thing. So then this came up again. Since that happened, he – has directed a number of movies. Some of them are amazing. Some of them are masterpieces. Um, and in, in 2000, for 2002, he won the best director Oscar for the pianist, mm-hmm. a film that in many ways dealt very directly with how he must have felt during the, the, the Holocaust as a man whose family died and he did not. Um, he could not go to the ceremony, obviously, because that mm-hmm. was held here in the United States. And so now when we get to Roman Polanski, this is where I start to get a little iffy about Mm. things because he pled guilty. Uh, Now, there has actually been some talk about why he pled guilty and maybe he was sort of tricked into doing it. Maybe he was told that he was going to get a very lean sentence if he were to do it. Uh, and then the judge decided, and the judge said, no, that's not going to happen. But whatever the reason is, like he pled guilty and so – and then ran away. Well, you can't really be on the lam without making money. Like you need to have money if you're going to be, you know, traveling anywhere. And so if I pay money to see his film, which I did for The Pianist, um, I am – making him a bankable director, which allows him to continue to elude the authorities. And I do believe that he should, that he should pay for the thing that he did. Um, so now here we have a situation where the pianist is a very good, if not great movie, he could make the best movie I've ever seen next year, but I would feel conflicted about paying to see it. Mm. Or maybe even seeing it in general, hmm. because to do so, because if I were, if I even if I saw it without paying for it, and I talked about how great it was on the show, people then might other actually, people would go to see it, yeah, and they'd pay money, and then he could continue doing what he's doing. Right now, I'm not asking for a clear thought because I don't have one myself. Roman Polanski, what do you think? Because this one, it's support of his film is very. Is I think very much linked to what he is doing right now. Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. I don't think I have an answer um, because that's that's the second kind of aspect of of this discussion that I mentioned, which is where how you you interact with it directly, like how yeah. how you support it, how you um, you know what the what the real world circumstances uh, are of you watching or supporting or, or, or recommending a movie or anything like that. Cause that's, this is one where there is an actual real world, uh, repercussion. So I don't know. I mean, I, I did see, I saw the pianist. I saw it in the theater and I, I think it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was my favorite movie of that year. Um, but I don't know that, that actually is something I haven't really thought about in, um, in relation to going to see the movies, I haven't thought, well, this, this could support him financially. Yeah. Um, but that's certainly something to think about. 
And it's and it's one of those things that like because I know there are a lot of people. Uh, I'll I'll move on to Woody Allen now, but it, the same could be said about Polanski or, or Fatty Arbuckle or whatever. That let's let's remove the financial thing. There are people that literally say, "I do not want to support financially or personally." You know, if everyone goes to see your movie, you are validated as a person. Mm-hmm. I would say, um, and certainly as an artist, there are people that have said. For example, my mom said this, that she did not want to see – this was many years ago – that she did not want to see a Woody Allen movie because she didn't want to support the type of person that would destroy his family the way he had. And there needs to be, like you said, real-life repercussions to that. And in this case, it's that she does not want to support this this kind of person. Now, at the time, that hit my ear wrong. I didn't necessarily like that. It seemed judgmental. But at the same time, that was how she chose to say, I don't like what he did. So now we are left with the quandary because certainly I don't want to support or validate or justify somebody's choices, somebody's negative choices. Um but if I had decided that with Woody Allen a long time ago, if I had decided that when my mom said that, I would not have seen uh, Sweet and Low Down. I would not have seen Match Point. I would not have seen Blue Jasmine. I wouldn't have seen uh, – it's escaping me – Midnight in Paris mm-hmm. and some other movies that weren't that good. But, um, <laughs> but like those – would not have seen Scoop. I, I did not see Scoop. I did see Small Time Crooks, which I enjoyed as okay. a quaint little film. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are great movies. And what's more, here's the thing. I went back and watched movies like Crimes and Misdemeanors and Hannah and Her Sisters and Bullets Over Broadway after my mom had said that. Not as a result, but I mm-hmm. mean like it's not as though I was – an adult when those movies came out and I saw them and then my mom said this thing. I'm like, Oh geez. Well, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. like any, any Woody Allen movie I saw, I saw after With I the knew knowledge of yeah. who he is as a, yeah. Yeah. And so, and he, as a filmmaker is very formative more, maybe probably more so to you than to me. Mm-hmm. I love a lot of his movies, not all of them, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, and had I, opted to not support uh, or validate what he has done, as some people seem to think that's what you're doing by seeing his movies. Had I chosen not to do that, I personally would have missed out on a lot of amazing, engaging, and in some cases, for some people, life-changing art. Mm-hmm. So you're a Woody Allen fan. Mm-hmm. Am I is it is it wrong to frame it in this way that it's either or? If you see these movies, you are supporting the actions of a pedophile essentially. That it's got to be that. So either you don't see these or if you do see them, you can't enjoy them or say they're good or you have to always couch them in, well, there is pretty good, but he's a horrible person. Mm. Like that's one option or is there somewhere in between? 
I think there's definitely somewhere in between. And I feel like I'm more prone to fall towards just, just seeing the movies and not, not worrying about the person behind them. Yeah. Um, Because I think there's a lot to be gotten out of the movie. If it's not a question of literally making someone more able to do something wrong, um, you know, like if, if, if I knew that the money was going towards something specifically bad, then I would have some, uh, you know, second thoughts about it. But I mean, even say in the case of Roman Polanski, if I knew, I think for me, if I knew that somehow he was not getting any money from a movie that he was directing, mm-hmm. then I think I'd be fine. I'd, I, I could watch it and not worry about it at all. And I think part of the reason is because these ones we're all talking about are kind of, uh, salacious headline grabbing right. sins as they were. Uh, yeah. And if you start saying like, well, if this person does something bad, then I shouldn't watch their movie. How far can you really honestly go down that trail? Exactly. Yes. Because then you start uh, clearly no one is perfect. So then you have to somewhere, somewhere in your mind, you have to make a list of the sins that you think like, well, if they do these ones, then I'm not going to support them. But if they do these ones, then it's okay. Right. Um, and, and I mean, you could also make a list of businesses. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, it doesn't, like we, we do it really easily with art. Yeah. And I do think the Christian attitude towards art tends to seem a lot more black and white than towards other things. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's rated R, I won't see it. Or it contains this, I won't see it. This guy did, the, you know, the director behaved this way, I won't see it. Meanwhile, and maybe it's because the nature of art is that it's expressive. It's expressive of a person's viewpoint. And if that person has done something that we view to be terrible, then it's like, well, certainly I don't want to see anything that he might have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I don't know anything. About, like, the, the table that the uh, soundboard microphones computer and propel grape zero sorry propel zero grape are sitting on now i bought this table at target you were there with me that's right it was a, it was a very exciting day it's a lot of fun uh aside from that i don't know who made it i don't know who designed it and incidentally i don't know who's in charge of target i don't know what their actual proclivities are but because it's merely a table and i and it does not require any personal engagement from me it's very easy for me to just dismiss that. Well, now here as a big surprise for you, I have the uh, the starving children who who put this table together for you. Here they are. Oh, aren't they adorable? They are. You gotta ship them right back to Africa where they're not gonna have anything to eat. Oh, you just came man. here so you could feel guilty for a couple of seconds. All right, I'm gonna throw this table away and we'll just record on the floor. That's better. Um, That's the way God would want it. Okay. You are now being sarcastic, but or facetious. <laughs> yeah. But what I will say is the ridiculous scenario you just set up and that I responded to, which was, well, certainly I can't deal with this table now. That's ridiculous because it's the practicality of a table. You're you're gonna need a table eventually. Art is often viewed as not necessary. Good, fun, can really in, in, enhance your life, but in the end, really not that necessary. Certainly not as necessarily as as necessary as a table. 
Um, and so I think a lot of Christians, and I, now I'm going to move from society in general to Christians in particular, uh, the view, their view towards art is that as long as it enforces what I believe already, then it's good. Otherwise, who cares? Does not matter. And the circumstance that you just put out there and that I responded to and both of us by what we said and how we said it are very explicitly saying how ridiculous it is. That is how people seem to want us to respond to movies that are made by a Woody Allen or Roman Polanski or whatever, which is literally, I don't want any part of it. I will, I'll go without if Mm -hmm. I need to, just as long as this thing. And it's, and it really is like, you know, anything in this room, this towel that I forgot to put away that is sitting (laughs) on this chair opposite me. Um, sorry about that. Uh, I was going to say something. It's clean. It's a clean towel. That's what you say. I do have a lot of dirt just sitting in my washer. (laughs) Um, but like that. And then little things like, for example, in my office, there are some battleship pretension posters. Now, two of them, I do know personally, the guy that, uh, that, uh, designed them. One was a listener. I don't know who he is. I mean, I know who he is. I know his name, but I've never met him. I don't know what kind of life he lives. He might've murdered somebody. He might've murdered. He might be John Wayne Gacy. Look, we can't rule it out is what I'm (laughs) saying. Um, and, and again, we're being a little bit facetious, but it's just like, at what point does it stop? Mm -hmm. You know? And I, I think that becomes a salient point because there's a lot of Christians who don't want to think about those things. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that to say you need to go out there and think about those things. You need to go out there and think about who makes your table. Right. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know a lot of that stuff. I'm not really informed about a lot of those things. It's very possible that I use products that are made, uh, you know, in, in, inhumane ways or, or, or that that argument could be made. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm not saying that I'm not saying this as a person who feels like everyone should be totally informed about every single product that they use. Yeah. Um, but that, like you say, when that is the kind of the attitude that Christians sort tend to have about their film, then you have to call into question, is it not hypocritical to not feel that way about any other product that you engage right. in? Especially because if we're talking about, um, I mean, if it is something, say it's like a product that's made from slave labor, that, that is one of those situations where it's directly yeah. supporting the slave labor. Whereas if it's, you think Woody Allen's a bad guy, but the money that goes to him from the movies that you go to see doesn't directly aid him in doing bad things. Right. There's less of a connect there between your support causing a bad thing than there is in the situation with slave labor. And let me throw this out there. Woody Allen is one guy. It takes more than one guy to make a movie. Yeah. If you see this movie, yes, you are supporting Woody Allen and he probably is getting the most money except maybe some of his actors. But there's also carpenters and lighting guys and electricians and PAs. You're also supporting them. Are they nice people? Maybe. Maybe not. You actually don't know. Yeah. They're not as high profile as Woody Allen. There are lots of people who work on movies that you might have huge problems with. Yeah. Did you know that the uh, largest employer of ex-convicts in the United States is a company called Central Casting who hires extras? 
uh, hey, I was signed up with them for a while. As was I. Yeah. But uh, despite my criminal history, <laughs> they were okay with it. It's very possible that you are watching convicted criminals, maybe repeat offenders in the background in movies. And uh, you don't know about that one. Right. So, there, there's a thing to just make your head spin out of control if you don't want to if you don't want to have any in any way support anybody yeah. who's ever done anything wrong. Yeah. And it's and that's the thing is I, I want to be careful that we don't wind up being too uh, insulting or anything of people that uh, that might actually think this. But and we don't want to belittle the bad things that people like Roman Polanski or, or Woody Allen have done. Like, yeah. The objections to those acts are completely understandable. Yeah. I think what, what it ultimately comes down to is this is the – like these are the questions that you have to ask yourself when living in a sinful world. And you and, – and of course you yourself, we ourselves are sinners as well. Like we are – fallen and we live in a fallen world we have to engage with this world somehow how do we do it if we're trying to do it in a way where we never ever uh support or endorse endorse is the word i've been looking for for Mm. the last 15 minutes (laughs) that we ever endorse implicitly somebody else's sin or wrong choices or even hurting somebody else like if that is how we want to live like I hate to say it, the only option I can think of is to become Amish. Mm. They they make most of their own stuff, <laughs> to my knowledge. They make um, fantastic pretzels. Is that true? I, yes, they do. I know from experience. I, I was... Uh, Were you in Amish country and you had a pretzel? Nearby. Oh, okay. Yeah. Philadelphia? Yep. You're in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And because it was nearby Amish country, you assumed that this was an Amish pretzel. No, because the woman who sold it to us was dressed like an Amish person. I see. But did you quiz her to see if she was truly Amish? I, I did not. But my mm. cousins used to work at the uh, the place where they – place called Reading Terminal in, uh, in Philadelphia where there's a bunch of little shops and things. And some of them are specifically run by Amish families. Fair enough. Um, but I feel like that's that's the choice you have to make. Yeah. And that is a community that I don't really have any problem with the Amish uh, or anything like that, which no. is a weird sentence to say out loud. Um, <laughs> but I don't have any problem re- really with their philosophy, but they have made a choice. And that is to, I would say, disengage with society. Yeah. For the most part. Although in this case, they are choosing to sell you a pretzel and who well, are that's you? True. They don't know who you are. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I might be a murderer for all yeah. you know. Or you might just be you. And I don't which like Which is infinitely you. worse. Yeah. Like at least a murder, like you just have a clear cut action, like, oh, this is something they did wrong. Mm. Whereas you, it just kind of permeates everything. Yeah. Just soaks in. Just soaks right in. Now now you've got, all I can think about is this situation where Amish people are selling, let's say pretzels to people and, and don't know anything about who these people are. Right. Like well, even, even, I think, I think part of the problem here is, is I think we don't totally understand the Amish philosophy. I don't think that it's because I don't think that it's other people they don't engage with. It's more just certain elements of society. Yeah, and and culture. Yeah, because they do interact with people. So even a culture, a, a culture, a subculture that is as removed from cult, I would say a worldly culture uh, as the Amish, even they believe in engaging with other human beings. That may not believe what they believe. The question of the day, maybe of the year, is would the Amish sell Woody Allen a pretzel? Oh. 
<laughs> you just blew my mind. I mean, we'd have to, we have to like give them like a week's worth of internet and say, you got to look up some things and then you, you tell me. Well, I, I don't think they do the internet. We have to explain to them. Um, but yeah, there's another t-shirt for you. Would the Amish sell Woody Allen a pretzel? <laughs> um, and that's the thing. So we're kind of making light of it, but I think, I think that we're does, into, that, that does encompass the question. Yeah. Like, oh, absolutely. Know. I think we're actually into some pretty good territory here. We're in Amish territory. Um, I feel like we're making fun of the Amish, but I'm not. I don't thing. mean to, no. Um, it's just uh, – it's an example of, of people who clearly as part of their lifestyle have chosen to separate themselves from right. something. And most people and most Christians are not living like that. Right. Um, but they think they are in some cases. And and I'm sorry to say they because we all do it. Um you know, I, I can't tell you the number of people that have said – number of Christians I know who have said, oh, you know, I've – you know, uh, this this is my computer guy or this is, you know, where I buy my shoes. I don't know. That's not mm. a specific example. But Do like, people buy shoes? I mean I just wake up and they're on my feet. Right. You know, <laughs> and then one day I woke up and it was a different pair. Yeah. It was I like thought, a stork that brings them, isn't it? <laughs> the shoe stork. Yeah. You get – you go to the shoe stork. Yeah, and you buy shoes. That's what I thought people have been saying for years. Are they saying store? <laughs> that makes no sense. No. Um, why go to the store when you've got the stork? Just lie in bed. <laughs> it's the easiest thing. Boy, it sure is. Um, <laughs> as anyone with uh, clinical depression will tell you, it sure is. Um, but uh, where was I headed? Hang on. Um, you were saying. Oh yes. People have so, their 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 shoe store. Yeah, their and shoe so, guy. And I have heard not one, not two, but a few people say, I go here, he's a good, you know, I, this is my IT guy or whatever. He's a good guy, ellipsis, good Christian guy. And clearly they, there's something that they like, and I think I probably would too. They like about giving business to people that they know philosophically agree with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody probably likes that. This person is like me. They are pursuing the things I am pursuing, and thus I feel a little bit better about giving them money knowing that it's not going to go towards some other thing. Mm. It could be any number of things, like, and it doesn't necessarily just have to be Christians. I'm sure there are a number of atheists who if they find out that a certain business owner is also atheist, they're like, oh, good. Oh, good. Well, the money I'm giving is not going to wind up in some you know, preacher's pockets or something yeah. like that. But then there is there is a different issue there because that – that is 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 more talking about a business or a person that you choose to support or endorse rather than a business or a person that you are actively not endorsing. Josh, I'll tell you. <laughs> You've moved us into the next section of the conversation. <laughs> um because there are two there are two things to to talk about. One is uh so I was recently what was this? Uh it was some I don't know, some internet meme that I was reading and it was talking about like things that Christians do. And it was a humorous thing. And one of the things that it did that like hit home was Christians. (laughs) I'm laughing out of recognition. (laughs) Christians wish that their favorite, you know, artists, it could be musician, it could be actor, director, uh, author, whatever athlete. Um, wishing their favorite people were Christian. Mm -hmm. It's like, I've liked their stuff so far. 
boy, oh boy, wouldn't it be great if they were this too? I'm still gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna support them no matter what, but it'd be nice if it was this too. And I've absolutely done it. And then they actually, it, it was a video, and I think they actually show like somebody Googling, like typing in a name and then Christian question mark. Um, and it's, you know, and doing that has actually led me to some people that have been on this show. In yeah. fact, um, so it has turned out well for me, but in some cases when you discover that like, you know, uh, like, oh, this person whose work you really like, not only are they not Christian, but they actively are not, they, they don't. And it's just, and you feel, and you get this little slump of like, mm. oh, and I feel like that's not, I feel like that's not a good instinct and I'm not, can't really put my finger on why. Yeah. Well, the, there's a, there's a question on the question there is what that reaction encompasses. If that, if it's just disappointment, I think I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, yeah, as sure. Christians, we wish that everybody was a Christian because yes. we think that would be best for them yeah. and best for everything. But, uh, if it means then that you're going to think less of that person right. or judge that person, I mean, we should treat, we should think of if we're going to invite celebrities into our, into our homes, essentially mm -hmm. through gossip and through, uh, you know, TV shows, any number of things where we make their personal business a part of our lives. Right. Then we should treat them like we would a regular person, uh, just a person that you would meet on the street. You know, right. like if you find out that someone that you are friends with is not a Christian, you don't go, mm, I guess I won't hang out with that guy anymore. Right. You certainly shouldn't. And if you're not. <laughs> shouldn't say that, not shouldn't hang out with. Them. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and if you're wondering, if you're not sure that that's correct, just, uh, there's a little book called the Bible that has a lot of, has a lot of stuff to say about that. Like what? Like do it. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, just do it. That's biblical. Nike, you, is that a Christian yep. company? I'm going to Google I, I it right it now. Is. Google it. And then I'm going to, and then I'm going to go to the shoe store and say, can you give me some <laughs> Nikes, Chris, please? I heard Nikes is Christian. Please give me some. <laughs> Where's the stork? <laughs> I want to see that guy come into a into a footlocker. Everyone will be like, stay here for a minute. Let me get my manager. It's like, okay, is he a Christian? Who are these security guys? Are they Christian? <laughs> um, what are this? <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. So in this case, we're talking – okay. So we've talked about like there's a product that you like. It could be a movie. It could be this table that I am in favor of. I do sort of regret buying these chairs, though. Oh yeah, they're a little a uh, little noisy. They're a little creaky. Mm. Sounds a little flatulent at times. I don't like it. Don't that's like not it. Good. Um, but whatever. That's neither here nor there. Christian wouldn't let that happen. Absolutely. Oh, no question. <laughs> like if 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 a Christian had made this chair as though for God. Now it should be noted. I I put the chairs together, and mm. I probably did not do as good a job as I could. Uh. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, so like these are products that I like that make my life better. I know it's weird to think that a a table makes your life better, but it does. It's better mm -hmm. than not having not one. Not sitting on the floor. Exactly. And so in the end, like, I don't know. I Part of me feels like, well, I'm doing – like certainly I'm not perfect, but I'm doing what I can to quote unquote further the kingdom of God. And this table is helping me do it. I don't know who designed it. I don't know what he 
believes. I don't know what he's done. But all I know is that this table is at the moment helping me record more than one lesson and hopefully helping, certainly helping me. These conversations always help me. But hopefully providing some encouragement and some intellectual stimulation to the listener. Hopefully. So that's what this table is doing right now. And that's all I really have any power over. Um, and so it sort of reminds me to a certain extent of, uh, uh, this line from, uh, this passage, not a line. It's not a bit of dialogue from, uh, although I guess it kind of is. Somebody does say it. Um, Genesis 50 verse 20, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. Is it Joseph? That is Joseph talking to his brothers, yes, who sold him into slavery. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of doing yeah, bad things. Yeah, they meant evil against him, but God meant it for good. I don't know, like, okay, I don't know why Woody Allen makes a movie. I don't know why Roman Polanski makes a movie. But God can because still... Because it was there. Because, well, not really. Well. It, it was not physically there until he decided to make it. Isn't that phrase supposed to work for everything? No, Why does a man not. climb a mountain? Because yeah. it was there. Why yeah. does a man make a movie? Because it was there. No, because it. Why, but it isn't. Why did the chicken cross the road? That makes sense. Because it was That's there. A physical thing. Okay, they, I think all those are the same. Yeah. Why don't I like you? Because it was there. Because you're here. Why don't you get out of here? Yeah. Maybe I'll like you more. I'm joking, of course. I have the utmost affection for you. Hmm. Why well, would, I mean, why would you like it more? Hmm. Why would you like it more? Well, I, because I, it was there. Oh, and see, oh, see, oh my gosh! See what I did there. Oh, now everything's. <laughs> the, this the, is good. Pro, the prospect of you being gone, I like that a lot. I like what this. I like what this has turned into. Um, this episode is silly, but I kind of like that because <laughs> the topic it is seems, so. It seems very serious, and yet yeah. we got the shoe stork, which I'm totally going to go into Photoshop and design, man. Um, but. Uh, so, so that's the thing is like, I don't know why Woody Allen makes a movie. I don't know why Roman Plansky makes a movie. I don't know what they personally get out of it. They might personally get money out of it that they use to, I'll admit, if they were using that money to very directly hurt someone, I might think twice, but I don't know. All I know is that like some of these movies have been such a tremendous blessing to me. I have to assume anybody watching The Pianist would find it to be incredibly inspiring um, and uplifting, even though it actually is not a very melodramatic movie. Like, mm -hmm. it's actually quite matter-of-fact, which yeah. I think is one of the great things about it. Yeah, I agree. But, like, so I, I, I know that a table is different than a movie. Mm -hmm. I get it. Um. But it might not hurt to approach them in the same way. God can use and has used any number of things to bless us. Uh, I will read this quote. In fact, maybe you want. Maybe you can read it. Yeah, uh, sure. From John Calvin. I've no. I've. I, I posted this on the website a few years ago. I know I've probably quoted it in episodes before, but it has become something of a watchword on more than one lesson. Josh, what do you got? There might be a typo. <laughs> Let's hope not. I'll find out. All right. So John Calvin said. Therefore, in reading profane authors, the admirable light of truth displayed in them should remind us that the human mind, however much fallen and perverted from its original integrity, is still adorned and invested with admirable gifts from its creator. 
If we, if we reflect that the Spirit of God is the only fountain of truth, we will be careful, as we would avoid offering insults to Him, not to reject or condemn truth wherever it appears. In despising the gifts, we insult the giver. All right. That's a good quote. I like that one. I love it. It's, I mean, when I stumbled onto it, I was like, this is everything I've been saying for years. <laughs> um, as it turns out, someone said it first. <laughs> one guy said it before I did. That's usually the way it works. Um, and so that's the thing is like, like we were talking about with, with Wolf of Wall Street, there might be matters of personal conviction. I'm not, I'm not crapping on people who genuinely feel like I do not want, I cannot support uh, Roman Polanski. If that's what you feel, that's fine. Um, but if you start turning that into a broad statement, like we cannot do it. It's like a movie that Woody Allen made might have so much more positive impact because of the truth that it is exploring by a man that is not Christian, but nonetheless, God's truth shines through no matter what, like that might have way more positive impact on the people that see it than negative impact because it tacitly endorses who Woody Allen is and things he's done. Mm. So like, obviously you want to educate yourself on the film and if it's your kind of movie and that sort of thing. But like, I don't know. It's, but I don't actually want to end here. There is a flip side to this. Mm. So we talk about the person who says, Oh, my, my it guy, my computer guy, he's a good, you know, he's a good guy. He's a good Christian guy. Now the implication here is the order goes and the the same reason that like we look up our, the the celebrities that we like and see if they're Christian. We already like them. This person is already your computer guy. And then you find out they're Christian. And you're like, wow, that's great. Not only are they Christian, but they put out a great product. One I already like. How nice it is that a Christian is putting out a good product. If it were anything else from a table, I'm going to stick with this table thing. <laughs> table to a pair of bird shoes to, you know, computer stuff, if the product was not good, you probably would not care that this person was a Christian and you would drop it. You would find a better table. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to art, (laughs) there are a number of Christians who say, this is a Christian film and I approve of the man or woman that made it. So I'm going to see it, and I cannot tell you how many people you go to a message board and they'll say it's like you know it's you know it's not the kind of movie that wins Oscars, but it is it's got a good message. It's like here's what you're saying: it's not a good movie, but it's got a good message. Anytime somebody says it's not the kind of movie that wins Oscars, well, what what movies in theory win Oscars? What are the Oscars at least in theory committed to doing? Well, Chariots of Fire. That's the that's, That's the only the one. one. That's, That's the, only the good one. one. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> well done. Never saw it. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. And so, um, but that, and so people are, there are Christians that are literally, and we're beating a dead horse here. I mean, we've talked about plenty of, of Christian movies on here and talked about that they're not very good. But like, if you are maybe a Christian who feels like you should see 
this movie for spiritual purposes for spiritual purposes like for like to be fed spiritually that's one thing mm-hmm. but if you see it because like you know there are so few movies made by christians we should support it's like no you should support it if it's good if you give money to anything bad they're just going to keep making the bad thing it's like laughing at a little kid that's making a joke that's not funny just encourages him <laughs> i guess it's not key that the joke's not funny yeah um, it's more when, uh, How about this? If your kid punches someone and you, and laugh, you laugh at it, yeah, he's going to keep going. Going to keep making. If the kid's making a joke. It's a kid, you know. Like their jokes aren't going to be that great. Well, that's true, but but you can't laugh at them too much, or they right. keep saying the same thing over and over again. That's true. Yes, yeah. neither of us are fathers. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and so, but that is the thing, and it happens. And by the way, it happens with any group that feels like Hollywood does not make movies for them. Uh, no, that's true. And that could be, you know, African-Americans. It could be women. It could be Christians. Any group that doesn't fall into a very specific demographic uh, and feels kind of marginalized by Hollywood, they they tend to say, we need to support this. Mm-hmm. And support it if it's good. That's, that's, yeah. that's really all I have to say because – and just take it and apply it to anything else. If you had a bad doctor, let's let's do that one. <laughs> you had a bad doctor who prescribed something that was it's not merely that it, like it didn't work perfectly, but it actually had like he didn't read your chart. Hmm. He didn't read what you were allergic to and prescribed you something you were allergic to and you had a horrible reaction. All it takes is that one mistake, you are not seeing that doctor again. And then if it doesn't matter if someone says Oh, but he's a Christian. If anything, <laughs> you might respond with, well, then he should do his job better as to the Lord. <laughs> you I, might respond with that. You might. I think we have kind of like a – and thinking about it, I, I don't – I'm not even sure how much of a problem that I have with this. But I feel like maybe we tend to have a sliding scale with uh, – with issues like this where it's dependent on how important the thing is to us. Yeah, that's true. And so maybe the reason that people feel like it's okay to, to support a bad Christian movie just because the, they like the people behind it is because they don't think it's something, they don't think of it as something important. Yeah. It's not essential. Right. And not as essential. Whereas like if it was a, where you the the doctor's the opposite yeah. end of the spectrum, you know, if it if it means physical danger to you or physical harm to you or your loved ones, then obviously it's an important thing. It doesn't matter whether they're yeah Christian or not. You want the good person, um, and maybe that's why that seems to make more of a difference to people like you and me because film is something that's very important to us. It's right. something that both of us have kind of both of our careers are in film and you know by choice that's that's something that well well you could argue that uh as far as divine intervention or whatever but um so maybe that's why to us that it is important and it is important to see good films and um to support good films so i don't know well, and I do think that there's you, – you talk about the idea of, of level of importance and, and uh, something being essential is the word I used. And so um, 
So let's look at it from a, from a Christian standpoint and the idea of spreading the gospel. Obviously, Bible, most essential. Mm-hmm. Church and pastor, probably secondary. Strong community, probably very close. One could say that that's the same as the church, but not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, it probably goes hand in hand with family. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, then you probably get... And this is just, you know, I don't have it written down as the hierarchy, but just based on <laughs> myself and the people I know hmm. and have known, uh, next is probably music, if I had to guess. Hmm. Um, and then you start getting into, uh, sorry, and then probably like books and authors and philosophers. Uh, and then I would say any kind of dramatic art ranks pretty low when it, as far as how best to get the message out. Mm-hmm. Um, We've come so far from the passion plays. I actually have Mel Gibson written down here, but we didn't have time <laughs> for him. Um, but uh, we are going to have to talk about the passion of the Christ at some point on this show. Yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Maybe around Easter this year. What Don't do worry, think? everyone. Episode 100, the passion. <laughs> and people are like, oh boy, episode 100. Hey, I can skip it. Um <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, and so, um, so I think, you know, the further you get away from like the Bible itself, the more inessential the thing gets, and then you get to film and it's like, and then suddenly the only thing that's, that is essential about it is its message is how close it hues to the things that are more essential. And so, uh, so film then becomes the only quality in it is its, is in its ability to convey the message. And if it conveys the message, then that's the only thing that matters. Why require anything else? Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say there's, I have a number of quotes from uh, Francis Schaeffer who speaks uh, very eloquent, uh, speaks and writes very eloquently about uh, faith and art. Uh, he writes about art stuff as we talked about <laughs> uh, before we started recording. He wrote the, the great, Classic of the Christian faith, art stuff. Art stuff, yeah. With a question mark, art stuff. Yeah. Each letter is in a different font. It was kind of (laughs) zany. But uh, so, okay. There's a number of quotes, and I think I'm just going to read them in rapid succession. They all kind of have to do with one another. A Christian should use these arts to the glory of God, not just as tracts, T-R-A-C-T-S, not just as tracts, mind you, but as things of beauty to the praise of God. An art can uh, an artwork can be a doxology in itself. How should an artist begin to do his work as an artist? I would insist that he begin his work as an artist by setting out to make a work of art. Christian art is the expression of the whole life of the whole person as a Christian. What a Christian portrays in his art is the totality of life. Art is not solely is not to be solely a vehicle for some sort of self-conscious evangelism. So, you know, we speak a lot about Christian film, not that there is a lot, but movies can be good aside from how they can, Christian or otherwise, movies can be good apart from how they deliver uh, a Christian message. Mm -hmm. Or, Um, or what, or the nature of the Christian message, even if like there's there, and I think this is maybe something we've talked about before, but there's certain circles of Christian film where people think you have to have a conversion scene or it doesn't matter. Right. 
And that's in this quote where he says here, it's about Christian art is the expression of the whole life of the whole person as a Christian. Yeah. It's not just about that moment of conversion. The rest of it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like there's all these other things there. You could take one tiny moment, one tiny thing that is part of the whole life of the, of the Christian as a person. And, and that can be something where we can see God's truth. That's, that can be something where we can see beauty and, and that's just as valid. Yeah. And if, and that's the thing. And so I think we, we take these ideas, these very, I think very limited ideas of how God can use film. And I think we start to go from the film itself to the people that made it. And we look at a person's intentions and I'm of the opinion artistically that it doesn't ma- doesn't necessarily matter what a filmmaker intended. Now, I think it does matter, but only insofar as the film itself. Do do his intentions come through? Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes a message is is communicated that goes far beyond what the filmmaker wanted to. Yeah. And so, but that usually happens in the good ones. Mm-hmm. Christian movies are not the good ones usually. And so it's never going to transcend anything. The intentions are plain as day as if you were having an interview as if, as if in the middle of the movie, there was an interview with the filmmaker himself. Mm. It's as obvious as can be. And everything else falls by the wayside. And it's like art and film can be so essential. If you let it be as a vehicle for God's truth in and of them in and of themselves without having to require that they be made by a Christian or that they incorporate a Christian mm-hmm. message. Um, so I feel like we've covered a lot here. So I'm sure some of you may have some questions or some comments. Feel free to email me Tyler at more than one lesson.com or Josh, Josh at more than one lesson.com or both of us. Um, you can comment on this episode in the post at more than one lesson.com. You can tweet at me. I would prefer if you have a response to something, I would prefer it be in an email or a comment. Um, but if you want to, you can tweet at me. That's, uh, at more lessons. You can also tweet at Josh at the Josh long at the Josh long. Uh, and I think that is about it. You can find us on Facebook and you can join that group. I occasionally post things. I, I post episodes certainly, but I also post, uh, interesting articles and sermons that I've uh, that I've uh, read or listened to. Um, so yeah, uh, thank you everybody uh, for listening, Josh. Thank you for being here. Well, you're welcome, and we'll get you next time. Bye.